David Eichel here for HawkeyeInsider.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Pleased to be joined, as always, by my colleague and friend, Sean Bach. Uh, before we dive into this episode, I want to remind folks that uh, today until 10.59 p.m. Central Time, 50% off an annual subscription. Uh, details are on HawkeyeInsider.com. Be sure to hop on board today. The most anticipated season in recent Iowa basketball History is six days away. We'll dive into all of that, including a big schedule breakdown later on in the episode. But, uh, Sean, how you doing? Doing well, Dave. How about yourself? Oh, you know, just uh, staying with the grind, and it's about to turn it up another notch with basketball. So uh, plenty to dive into. Uh, we already kind of talked about Minnesota and what happened in that game. It was another really solid performance for the Hawkeyes. So we won't really dwell too much on that. What do you say? Let's just hop dive right into Penn State. Uh, very intriguing game, to say the least. Um, very highly motivated game, I think, for Penn State, too. Uh, I just finished up a podcast with our uh, 24-7 sports colleague, Tyler Donahue, of our Penn State site, who does a phenomenal job over there. And he told me that uh, Penn State is looking to avoid its first 0-5 start in program history. So there's a lot of pride on the line uh, for the Nittany Lions. And, you know, I think the best thing Iowa's done this week, Sean, in interviews, whether it be from coaches – you know, coordinators to players they've said if you look on film and take away the score this is not an 0-4 football team they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball and I think that it's still a little bit of a mental hurdle for Iowa considering they've lost six straight games uh, against the Nittany Lions so uh, yeah let's just dive right into it Sean and I think the first thing that we got to start with is uh, what are your initial thoughts about this Penn State team who by the way we won't even know who the starting quarterback is probably until uh, either tomorrow or on Saturday when the game is. Right. And I think that's the number one thing that stands out right now too, is that we're not going to know the quarterback situation, neither is Iowa. So James Franklin said, Penn State head coach James Franklin said today that they're probably going to have to use both quarterbacks against Iowa, which is going to really make for an interesting dynamic. I mean, if you look at it this way, Sean Clifford and Will Levis are kind of the same player in that, they can both use their arm, but their feet are also very effective in the run game. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a Peyton Ramsey type because I think Peyton Ramsey's a little bigger, but I think both those guys are pretty physical um, quarterbacks that can get those extra yards if need be on the ground. So that's going to be something to look out for. And I think just up and down, and you mentioned it, Dave, that they're going to come into this game motivated. Um, obviously, Iowa has not beaten Penn State since 2011 hasn't won in state college since 2009. That's not as crazy as a stat if you think about it, considering how tough it is to play at Penn State, but now with no fans too, and just the way that this Penn State program um, has been, I mean, I think this could be a game similar to Michigan State. I mean, I know Michigan State came into the Iowa game with a lot of confidence because their win over Michigan, but I also think it could go both. I think it could go two different ways in this one. Um, that either Iowa gets a big win. I'm not saying like a Michigan State like level dominant, but I think like a pretty like a pretty reasonable margin. Um, or it could be a really close game, and Penn State comes out and just plays the best football of the year. I mean, they looked like they had more life in them in the second half uh, against Nebraska. A little mm-hmm. more, a little more motivation, a little more pep in their step, but wasn't enough at the end. But it's a lot better than it was the first half, and I think. A lot of Penn State people are hoping that um, maybe a potential quarterback change or um, if Will Levis can really revamp that offense, which would be a huge, huge plus for them. 
And same thing with defense too. I think their defense has been underwhelming for the most part. Um, outside of the defense, the defensive line has been a little tough. The linebackers have been solid even without Michael Parsons, and they might be missing one of their stud or uh, starting cornerbacks too. Um, and then their safeties have been fine as well. But I think overall, it's just going to be just going to be a really really competitive game. I think like no matter. Um, how Penn State really comes into it. I know Iowa is probably going to be pretty – they're pretty ready. They're motivated. They feel like they got, like, a lot of season left to play, while Penn State, it seems like, from the outside, there might be some pessimism and with the start yeah. and just how the whole season has gone and kind of that lacking that motivation in a sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And it was interesting. I, like I said, I just got done talking to Tyler Donahue. And, look, I my way too early prediction, I think Sean Clifford does start – and he thought Will Levis is going to get the start. It wouldn't surprise me if Levis got the start. Like, as you mentioned, I think they outscored Nebraska 20-6 to after he came in, after Clifford got benched in the second half. And a big reason for that, too, Sean, is Sean Clifford, I think in the last 10 possessions, uh, has turned the ball over five times. And that's, you know, an Iowa team that specializes in takeaways, has an interception, in 11 straight games, leads the country in interceptions since the start of the 2017 season. That's something that's not going to be overlooked by the Penn State coaching staff. So whoever gets the start, like you mentioned, I think that they're going to make it a priority to try to get the quarterback out in open space to be able to make some plays because traditionally against Iowa, that has hurt them. I think back, I think it was two years ago when uh, Trace McSorley broke off that 56-yard run uh, which gave him the the big touchdown, which ultimately what sealed the deal after he came in uh, from that injury after which sidelined him for I think a ser- at least one series. But um, you know, there's still a lot of talent on this Penn State team. I mean, you look up and down the board. I think Jahad Dotson is a phenomenal wide receiver. Uh, Devin Ford really hasn't been able to show much at running back, but you know, he was a very highly touted guy coming out of high school, and I think his game does translate the Big Ten. Maybe he has a breakout game. But this Iowa defense is still up for a big challenge. And Spencer Petras, I think this is one of his biggest games of his career from this standpoint, Sean. Penn State blitzes a whole lot. And I think that their main priority and main focus is going to be make Spencer Petras beat them with his arm. Because as we've seen this season, Sean, he has not really gotten comfortable in the pocket. And I very much anticipate this Nittany Lions team is going to try to create as much pressure in the backfield as much as possible. Yeah, most definitely. I think it'd be a big boost for them to get their defensive line going as well. And then, obviously, you got the linebackers, too, are, whose job is to prevent um, the Iowa running backs or just anyone running the ball in general to get to that next level, to get to that second level of the defense and really get them open space. So, yeah, that's gonna be a, that's a really good point, Dave. I, I wrote about that earlier this week, how Spencer Peacher said that they're expecting a ton of pressure, a ton of blitz. And I think when you kind of put that two and two together – you kind of think to yourself, okay, like we've seen what Iowa has done this year, especially with Tyler Goodson the past two games, um, averaging around like 100, I think it's 120 or 130 yards per game, averaging like 7.5 yards per carry and has four touchdowns during that span. And Iowa, believe it or not, has won both of those games. You look at the other games, I mean, he was solid against Purdue, had that long run, um, wasn't great against Northwestern, obviously, because he didn't get the carries that really he – that he or that we or everyone really felt that he deserved um, with the passing game being the main part of the offense, especially late in the game. So these last two games, I think Iowa's done a really good job of establishing the run out of the gate. 
mm-hmm. especially on the first drive, like they did last week against Minnesota. Um, then they obviously did against Michigan State, where they kind of just marched down the field for a touchdown and just made it look easy. And that start all started with the run game. I think Penn State is going to be able to pick up on that a little bit and try to maybe think of different ways to really control them. I mean, <clears throat> last week they gave up like what was it like a hundred rushing yards to Luke McCaffrey or something? I believe it was around that. Yes, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah, granted it was a quarterback that's mobile, but it's a guy that really doesn't have a ton of experience back there. So I think that's going to be the main thing this week is just stopping the run because you got to have a guy like Spencer Peters who we've seen has really been inconsistent this year. You're going to have a guy like that try to beat you. You're going to be in a much better position than if you allow the run game to go and um, Peters kind of stands back there a little bit and really doesn't really doesn't have to throw as many passes as we've seen against in the past two games. So, yeah, I think overall Penn State, if if they want to be successful in this game, if they want to see the defense really step up, then they're going to have to figure it out on defense and how to stop the Iowa run because you look at the offensive line too for Iowa, and they've done a fantastic job this year um, in the pass blocking and in the run game. It's just been yeah. really, really good. And they're probably playing their best. This is probably the best the offensive line has played in the past year and a half too going back to last year because they had a lot of struggles last year and even with a guy like Tristan works but Alaric Jackson's playing his best football you have a couple injuries obviously with Kyler Schott and Cole Cronk but or Koi Cronk but Cole Banwert um Cody Ince Tyler Linderbaum obviously has been playing fantastic Mark Kallenberg has really been good yep. there's a lot of like about the offensive line and that's gonna be really favorable for Iowa in this game especially if Penn State no matter what kind of defensive packages they present to you and what kind of blitzes they run. I think the offensive line for Iowa has done a really good job and will be able to pick it up pretty well. I think the number one thing you attribute that to, Sean, is two things. One, you have a more experienced backfield. with Tyler Goodson being through the system one year is taking his game to another level. Makai Sargent outside the fumble earlier in the season, he, he's played very well. But the interior of the offensive line is so much more stable and so much more dominant. I mean, you know, all, you know, all the love and respect to the Paulson twins, but they just were not consistently stable in the interior, uh, whether it be run or pass. And with Cody Ince, maybe a guy like Justin Britt, Cole Banwart, Mark Kallenberger, if he slides in there, I mean, they've been very good. I think that's a big thing. And you talk about the run game, Sean. I think a couple other things. Sean Beyer, I think, has played really good football this season. Grant, he hasn't obviously hasn't exploded in the past game. Like, you know, not I don't want to say people expect him to. He's been, you know, he's had a couple of nice plays here or there. But his run blocking has been spectacular. Brandon Smith's run blocking has been phenomenal out in the perimeter. I mean, he's a, a big reason why Tyler Goodson's had a couple of his bigger runs so far this season. But I want to transition, Sean, into Brandon Smith. I think that He's a very interesting case going into this game. And I, I, again, I talked about with Tyler, but if I pick a player that could have a big game potentially, I think of Brandon Smith. No targets last week. I think Brian Ferentz said today during his press conference that they are going to try to get him more involved. And I think that's the best thing for this Iowa offense. Obviously, he's a big red zone threat, but he's a guy who can win one-on-one battles. And it's not going to surprise me if they really try to run some things to get his game going. But I think – Again, he, he's done a lot to, I think, elevate his draft stock, too, from a future standpoint, despite not putting up these gaudy numbers. But 
you know, I think Brian Smith could be in for a breakout game. And I'm very interested to see what game plan Brian Ferentz will scheme up because, again, this Penn State team likes to blitz. Are they going to try to beat them through the ground? Are they going to try to have some short, quick throws over the middle to Petrus to maybe get him some more confidence? Um, there's it's a lot of question marks. I think Brian Ferentz could go a lot of different ways uh, against this Penn State team. But I'll say this, after watching him last week against Nebraska, Sean, I don't see a reason why right now where Iowa can't run the football against them just based on how well, not just the offensive lines blocking, but the tight ends and the wide receivers and Monty Potabom at fullback. Definitely. I think a game like this too, when a team brings a lot of blitzes, you got to have a tight end that's going to be able to catch balls and is going to be able to be kind of that reliable target. And I think, I mean, Sam Laporta did a really good job. I think the first couple of games of the year, um, and then as well as end of last year, but the last two games, he's had a couple, a couple of drops that you wouldn't really expect from him. I mean, granted, one of them was a throw that was kind of going out of bounds, was pretty tough to catch, but there were one or two in both Michigan State and Minnesota that I really thought could have been catchable, that were catchable balls. And when you got a team that's, when you got a defense that's blitzing too, you got to be, you got to have those guys that are kind of going to be running the short routes and, um, going to be out in the flat or across the middle that you can get the ball to and rely on to get those extra yards after the carry. I'm not saying Sam Laporta is going to be dropping those passes, but I think like based off what um, we saw the last two games, he needs to be a guy that's got to catch, got to catch those balls because yeah. if Petrus is getting that pressure and they're throwing the ball, like he's not going to be able to make those reads downfield unless the guy is wide open, but he's going to have like no time in the pocket if the blitzes are successful. So you got to have a guy like Laporta who's going to be ready to make those catches and that we haven't really seen him from him consistently the past few games. Um, so that's one thing too, I think is a thing that you got to use to beat it. Obviously you can work, you can get the blitzes with some screens depending on um, how the receivers are covering. So you can get maybe like a Tyrone Tracy or um, Amir Smith-Marset, who knows at that, doing one of those. And then, yeah, I mean, like that's going to be huge too for Tyler Goodson in the past in the past game with his pass blocking. Obviously that's something that a lot of people have knocked him for is sure. his pass blocking. Like he's been great with the with running the ball this year, but his run block or his pass blocking at times has a lot left to be desired. Um so that's going to be another area where you got to be ready on offense. So it's it's going to be a little different. I think there might be a different couple play calls here and there. Like I said, maybe go some screens a little bit. Um maybe try and get some of those other guys, get something going in from behind the line of scrimmage and then get the open field, maybe get a few nice couple blocks here and there on the outside. But, sure. I mean, I think overall um, it'll probably be a different game plan than some of the other game teams because, I mean, Minnesota's defense was not great. Michigan State's was fine. Um, Northwestern's obviously Northwestern. Like, you got to have a whole different game plan for them than you do usually – and then Purdue, no one really expected. I think Iowa kind of just shot themselves in the foot in that game. Definitely. Um, Penalty so, yards, everything yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about Northwestern, too, with how much they passed – or with how much Iowa passed the ball. But I think – yeah, I think it's definitely going to be – we could see some different some different stuff um, than we had before from Brian Parents. But yeah. who knows, maybe, maybe that's just me. No, and I, I agree with you. I think Iowa might try to get creative because to beat those programs and with what I've seen on film of Penn State, this is a team that will fall for those. I mean, maybe we see a fake field goal. I mean, LeVar Woods, you know, it was funny talking to him earlier because I think it was one of our Iowa media colleagues asked him about 
you know, were you going to run that fake against Michigan State and would it have worked? And he just looked at him and said, of course it will work. I wouldn't have called it if it didn't work. And I'm like, man, that, that confidence. And if Iowa goes in with that sort of confidence to Penn State, I think that's a good thing. But a couple of notes, Sean, that really stand out to me when you take a look at this is, you know, Penn State, one of the biggest detriments to them this year, it's their red zone offense. I mean, they're 121st in the country, 13th in the conference, uh, 63.2% in the red zone. And they're minus six in the turnover margin. I mean, you talk about Iowa football, it relies on what, Sean? Running the football, not committing penalties, and winning the turnover battle. Those are three of the biggest keys. And when you look at this matchup, Penn State typically does hold the time of possession. They're 19th in the country in that. Iowa is 96th in the country in time of possession, only about 28 minutes per game. But Iowa's defense in the red zone has been solid. Penn State's offensive in the offense in the red zone has not been good. And Penn State's turning the ball over. While Iowa is turning the ball over, they're still 12th in the country in turnover margin because of how many takeaways that this team gets. And from what I've seen at Penn State, Iowa probably will get some opportunities, especially if Iowa's secondary continues to do what they do. And if we, I wanted to talk about this too before we get into our prediction, Sean. Iowa's defensive line has been better by the week. Zach Van Valkenburg had three sacks last week. He's now tied for the conference lead with three and a half total. Davion Nixon is playing well. Good news on the injury front. Jack Heflin will be back. Uh, he's been practicing all week. And despite the numbers, one of my predictions in our VIP chat, Sean, was who's going to be a breakout player this week. And I said Jack Heflin because he, he's such a specialist in stopping the run. He clogged the lanes, got those double teams, along with Davion Nixon, which allowed Van Valkenburg to really take over on that edge. And it really rattled him. And I think a big key going into this game, Sean, I'll say it again. In the last two weeks in opening possessions, Iowa has gotten five total quarterback pressures on Michigan State and Minnesota. And I do believe that rattled Morgan, Tanner Morgan and Rocky Lombardi throughout the game. And that really established that confidence for Iowa's defensive line that they can take over the game because they've been much more physical than the opposing offensive lines definitely the last two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mm -hmm. Yep, no doubt about it. And I think Penn State's offensive line, too, has had its struggles. I mean, they moved Will Levis, one of their starting tackles, to guard, which helped them, but... Um, still not necessarily ideal because you want those guys to be able to take that next step. And they're, they're a veteran group too on the offensive line, Penn State is. So that's also been interesting to see their struggles. I mean, obviously it's not easy with all the inconsistency they've had at quarterback this year. And then with the injuries they've had in backfield with uh, Journey Brown and um, Noah Kane, like that stuff's never easy. But still, like if you're a veteran group, you think they'd be able to take that next step. So who knows at this point what they're going to present. I think it's going to be tough overall for um, Penn State's offensive line to keep some of those guys that you mentioned for Iowa um, in front just based off how well they've been playing. But I think that's going to be a sneaky matchup to watch. I mean, I know it's cliche to say that the games are won in, in the trenches, but 
I mean, it's a true statement, especially in games like this. Um, yeah. With the way Penn State's offensive line has been underproducing, the way Iowa's defensive line has been exceeding expectations, honestly. Um, we kind of – or Phil Parker – was it – Phil Parker said that Iowa's best defensive group preseason was the defensive line, right? Or was the linebackers? I believe you said linebackers, but defensive line was close behind. And the way I think yeah. you and I and most of the media interpret it was it was trying to fire up the secondary because we all thought the secondary was the strength going into this season. Yeah, depending on who you ask. Sure. I Yeah, like I said, I think it was most, but um, – I, I, I should have mentioned this in my last thing, Sean, but Penn State also in red zone defense, they're 10th in the conference, a second in the nation, uh, a 6.7% of the time in allowing points. So, you know, the opportunities I think are going to be there for Iowa, but I think if you look traditionally over the last six games that Iowa has lost, especially the past three that Iowa has lost to Penn State, self-inflicted wounds, the little things can Iowa make one more play and not shoot themselves in the foot? And I think ultimately uh, Spencer Petrus might have to win this game for Iowa, Sean, because if you, again, you look at the last few matchups, especially with Nate Stanley, poor quarterback play against Penn state has been a common theme. For, for, Iowa. for, uh, for on, probably both quarterbacks, but more so Iowa, because remember Nate Stanley, I think through 40 some passes and he threw that interception, the goal line with two and a half minutes. Right. left two years ago, uh, and then Trace McSorley hit Jawan Johnson in the end zone on another game, which was the final play of the game. He pointed the ball in the stands. And then last year, Iowa just couldn't complete a comeback, but Brand Smith had that circus, you know, putting the ball in the back of the Penn State corner with like three minutes left and caught it to the touchdown, but Iowa just couldn't stop. Noah Kane, uh, who just right. came in got the crucial first downs and they knelt the, uh, they kneeled out the rest of the clock. Yeah, it's been it has been a struggle for Iowa quarterbacks the past few years. I mean Nate Stanley the past few years. Um so yeah, I mean they're going to find they're going to try and make the quarterback beat you. I think there's really no other explanation than that I think the way I'm not necessarily sure how they're going to do it. <laughs> um cuz I mean Goodson like just the way he's been able to run has been really really impressive and kind of the guy that we expected him to be um but I think they are going to try and find ways to take away the run take away some of those lanes that he gets I mean he's so good that he can bounce outside um pretty quickly and even if like there's not a big gap like the way he's able to run between um the tackles and just all the holes honestly he's able to find the different gaps is really impressive to me um but I think, yeah, if you're Penn State, you got to find ways to just keep clogging that lane in the run game because I think if Petrus beats you, then you're like you, – you tip your hat to Iowa. But I think they actually have a legitimate chance of winning this game if they force Petrus to really get out of his comfort zone and take away the run. Because, I mean, we saw what happened against Northwestern. Granted, some of the play calls were a little skeptical here and there. But um, still, like Northwestern found ways to limit the run and – forced Petrus to beat them and he didn't and look how that game turned out so yeah I think I think if Iowa if they if Petrus can get going right away that's gonna be a huge key for them because I think that run game I don't know if I could see I mean I could see a scenario where Goodson has another 100 yard plus game but I think Penn State's gonna do everything in their um everything in their mind or everything in their everything in their power to limit that because he's so effective and that's just what makes the Iowa offense go, honestly. 
De- no, definitely. And, you know, I think really quick couple notes for you getting our predictions and move on to hoop, Sean. Come on, Merriweather, I think, has been spectacular since taking over the starting job at that safety spot. I think he's really evolving into what Iowa was hoping for. And they took – you know, it, we'll say it was a flyer. I mean, he hadn't had much high school football experience. You saw the athleticism. You saw the hunger. And Phil Parker is very complimentary of him today. Dane Belton has played well in that cash spot. 16 tackles, four pass breakups. Riley Moss has, you know, been a ball hawk this year. Jack Kerner, I think, continues to get better and better. And luckily for Iowa, they're going to get Jack Kerner back next year as well. So that I think going forward, that's a big deal. Torrey Taylor, we already know the story with him. I think he's a very much an all-conference if uh, punter, if not all-American punter. Uh, but this Iowa team, I think, Sean, the biggest thing is it's getting better by the week. And I think that's a good sign going forward. But as you mentioned, I think the biggest thing for Petrus is he does need to get comfortable. I think upon reviewing the tape, one of the things that stuck out to me, Sean, he doesn't—he has not gone through his progressions. I mean, he's locked on to one receiver, his interception specifically, never looked at another target. The defense completely read it all the way. They triple teamed Amir Smith-Marset, and he still threw it in there. And I think that's the biggest thing. Can Petrus have – you know, the mentality of going through primary receiver, secondary, third option, fourth option. Can he do that? And does, will he know where his receivers are? Because that's a very undervalued aspect for people, you know, judging quarterbacks. It's not about just knowing your options, but it's knowing where are they going to be when. And I think right now that's one of Petrus's biggest struggles and that he doesn't know where they're going to be at. So he just locks on to his one guy. And I think in order for Iowa to win this game, he has to go through his progressions better than he has. Yeah, most definitely. I don't have anything to add after that. I think you hit it all there. So let's uh, let's dive into our predictions. I mean, granted, mine might change tomorrow. My mine might change Saturday morning. But Sean, give us as usual. Let's do one offensive key, one defensive key, and if you want to do a throw in a bold prediction, you can, and then give us your final score. Yeah, I think my final score prediction is pretty fluid. I think Iowa gets the dub. I think they win. 24 to 17. I think I think it'd be closer, but I still could see a scenario where if Iowa gets things going offensively, then the score can be much larger. The score margin be larger. Um offensively, I think Petrus, that's gonna be a big key for me. I know we talked about the run game. I know we talked about Petrus a lot, but I think Petrus, if he gets going, I think Iowa's going to be in good shape because I think that'll just open things up for the run game. Now, you got to establish the run first, but I think if Petrus, if the run game isn't going right away and Petrus is able to go through his progressions and, like you said, not lock on receivers, get Brandon Smith involved, have make San Laporta catch a couple balls, Amir Smith on our set, maybe break free, get Tyrone Tracy there, get Nico Regani involved, I think Iowa's going to be in good shape. So that's for offense, for defense. It's you got to win the offensive defensive line battle. I think that's going to be the big key. Um, I think not letting Pat Fryermuth in the red zone. I mean, like you said, Penn State's red zone offense has been really bad this year, and part of that is they're not getting Pat Fryermuth the ball, and they're just not able to execute. Um, I think you stop the grunt, you stop the run game, and if you get a lead, you just keep on keeping going. You just keep on laying it down on them because. If that happens, then it's going to be good things for you because you don't want them to stay in the game like at Purdue. Like, that was a big, that was a big scenario yeah. there because 
at the end of the day, like that's what that's how Purdue won because they stayed in the game. And I think defensively, if you just keep pressuring, keep doing what you've been doing, I think you'll be in really good shape. I think pressuring the quarterbacks can be huge too. I know Levis is pretty good with his feet, but I think pressuring the backfield and making the pocket collapse will be really big for Iowa success. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm probably giving a different prediction than I did just, you know, an hour ago. But the more I think about this, the less likely. My initial prediction, Sean, was 31-27 Iowa. I tell you what, I really don't see how Penn State, with their offense and just the way they're turning the ball over, how they put up 27 points just because of how good Iowa's defense is played. I'm going to go Iowa 31 I'm going to go Penn State 21. I think if Iowa can get going in a hurry, I think they'll deflate all the confidence that Penn State has. I think Petrus doesn't turn the ball over. He gets the job done. It won't be anything spectacular. I think he gets the job done. I'm going to say Tyler Goodson gets over 100 yards again because I think he's really starting to hit his stride. He's getting more and more confident. The offensive lines play the best I've seen Iowa's offensive line play since 2015. I mean, every, there's really no position weakness that I can identify at this point. They're all playing stellar football. Alaric Jackson is, you know, making a name for himself to go early on the NFL draft. Tyler Linderbaum, I, you know, I think pro football focus said he was the number one grade center through halfway through the season. He's been phenomenal. As far as the key goes, put take, again, it's same key as I said last week, Sean. Take all the pressure you can off Petrus. Run the football, protect him, allow him – put him in the best position possible for him to succeed. And for Iowa's defense, it's winning the turnover battle. Get another interception, get the Penn State offense rattled, deflate the run game, put Iowa's um, offense in scoring position because of those turnovers. And, and as a bold prediction, it's not really a bold prediction, but if you look at the past games against Penn State, this has been a major problem. Torrey Taylor will stay consistent. He's, he's going to be able to flip the field when Iowa needs them to flip the field. And in past seasons against Penn State, Iowa has not been able to do that. That's just a prediction, not a bold one. But I think Torrey Taylor continues to be that reliable weapon uh, that he is for the, just the Hawkeyes this season. LeVar Woods and everybody else continues to praise him. Very much well-deserved. Uh, so that's my final prediction for the football game. We're going to take a quick timeout, and then we're going to go right into basketball. Stay with us. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So, Sean, we talked enough about football. We actually have some legitimate hoops news to talk about. The season is six days away. And as I've reported multiple times on our VIP forum, I think two, three days ago, I put most of Iowa's quote-unquote finalized schedule up on our site. Iowa officially released it yesterday. I also have an article at HawkeyeInsider.com detailing uh, some of my initial thoughts about this schedule. But, Sean, when you look at Iowa's basketball schedule – I'll start with you. I'll add on my commentary after. What are some things that stand out to you about Iowa's schedule this season? In Christmas. Christmas Day, baby. Big Ten hoops on Christmas Day. Um, that's that's probably the main thing. I think – I wish we could have seen the Illinois game twice. 
Um, yeah. Yep. I think the non-conference will be really, really interesting too. Um, I, I mean, Western Illinois would be a good mid-major opponent probably in the next two or three years. I think they could be a sneaky team this year, maybe. But I think in the next two or three years, if they can keep that, I know it's not a, it's not a home and home, right? No, it is not. Okay, so it's just a bye game. Um, I think that would be a really fun matchup in like two or three years with the way um, they're starting to build that program back up again. Um, but as far as just overall thoughts, I mean, I think it's favorable that you only got Illinois once, and that's in Iowa City too, correct? No, it's in Illinois. That's in Champaign. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter with fans and stuff. I'm still I'm still counting football mode, not going to lie. Yeah, um, I <laughs> – so yeah, it's, it's a different it's a different season, Sean. I mean, it's gonna be nuts the next uh, four weeks or so. Yeah, so I mean, up and down. I think I don't know if I have any like major takeaways. I think obviously with this year with no fans, likely there's gonna be no like huge Big Ten advantage or anything like that. Like it's just gonna be a normal game. I think that could help road teams. I also think road teams will still be affected by playing in other um, arenas because, you know, different hoops, like different setting, everything. Um, it'll just be really interesting to see how this goes about because football, you can, you can notice the fans and stuff, obviously with like, if you're on offense and you're playing in a state, like if you're playing at like state college or you're playing at Ohio state, you're obviously going to notice the fans, but basketball, I think too, like you're going to be able to pick up on things more like from the opponents and you're going to be able to like, Re, like hear more of like the conversation on the court and be able to understand each other more um, and what your opponents are saying too. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing with how they deal with that. But yeah, I think, I think from the first jump, I think Purdue, I know they're not going to be, they're going to be down this year a little bit. Um, that's at home. I think you could ease, I think you could, you look at Iowa's schedule at Rutgers will be a tough game. I think they could start things off like a five and oh, six and oh, um, like, I think Minnesota will be decent, too. Maryland will be tough. Like Since Liam, really... Ro- Ro- Liam Robbins is eligible to Drake transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think it's going to be a really interesting because um, just the way that the home home and away, I don't really think there's going to be a major home court advantage this year. So, I think you kind of look at the road games and you're kind of like, okay, like, I think this one could go either way. I think there's still going to be somewhat of a home court advantage because, you know, like I said earlier, um, but still, I think, I think overall the schedule. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to have any major takeaways until we see these teams play a few times. Um, I think that's going to be one of the big things too. I definitely think it looks like it's it's tough. Um, it's tough. There's no doubt about that. But like you go, you go like this stretch right here is brutal. Like there's a yeah. two week stretch where you go at Michigan State, at Wisconsin, you play home against Penn State, and then you go at Ohio State. And you go at Mich- to Michigan, like that's a tough road. Like yeah, it is. I, we saw we saw Iowa struggle to close out the year last year. Five or was it four? Of their last six games are on the road, and those are against tough opponents too. Like Michigan State's can be good, Wisconsin's can be good, Ohio State's can be solid. I think I think Michigan will be like middle of the Big Ten, um, but still I think got some still studs on that team. team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you play Wisconsin at home to close out the year. So, and Wisconsin always plays Iowa tough, no matter how good both teams are. So, 
yeah, those are those are kind of the main takeaways. Um, I want to see these teams play a few more games before I really have any like major ones. And sure. but I also think like just the no fans, like it just can be a weird dynamic how that all works based on like home court. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like you said, I think the big thing you hit on, at least from my standpoint, was right when they announced the schedule, Sean. The first thing I did was look at when the Iowa Illinois matchups because I thought it was two matchups where they would be. I think the Big Ten missed a big opportunity. I know Iowa-Minnesota might draw a lot of eyes on Christmas. I think a great thing would have been to put Iowa-Illinois on Christmas and then have that second game late in February. I think it's a good idea to have Wisconsin-Iowa for the final game of the year because who knows? Maybe that decides the Big Ten. I mean, we could see that play into effect, but it also makes, Sean, that game against Illinois that much more important since they only played them one time. Um, and – I think you mentioned this, but that final stretch is absolutely brutal for Iowa starting February 13th, the final six games. I mean, you could go back further, like you said, at Michigan State, at Wisconsin, Penn State, at Ohio State, at Michigan, then Wisconsin at home. And another thing is, too, our Illinois site, Jeremy Werner uh, tweeted out this last night, Illinois gets two games against the projected bottom four of the conference. And that they're a top 10 preseason team, too. That puts them in a great position to win the Big Ten. So I put this in my article. If Iowa wins the Big Ten, they'll have well, well earned it. I mean, they, they've definitely earned it based on the schedule that I've seen. The non-conference schedule, I think it's a very good blend of things. North Carolina Central in six days. Then they play Southern next Friday, like probably 30 minutes after Iowa football concludes, which will be a very fun coverage time for for us. Uh, but another thing, Sean, was I was hoping that Iowa would try to get in a neutral or road game before this, but Iowa's first true road test is when they go to Sioux Falls to play Gonzaga. And I'm very interested to see, even though it's an experienced club, how do they respond to that? Because Gonzaga is going to be very well battle tested at that time as well. So I think those were the three big things that stuck out to me. But again, if Iowa wins the Big Ten, they'll have earned it. So I'm very happy to see a final schedule released. The two games that were not announced, but you know the details are being finalized. I reported a couple of days ago that Iowa and Western Illinois would be played at Carver Hawkeye. The tentative date for that is December 3rd. We'll see if that ends up being the day. And there's no word on what's going to happen between Iowa State and Iowa. They're finalizing the details there. I think it's going to be sometime in that second week in December. So uh, in Iowa State, it's going to have a – down year from everything I've read, but we'll see what happens with them. But combine Iowa State with Gonzaga and North Carolina and 20 Big Ten games out of 27 games, Sean, I think Iowa's definitely put together a very, very good overall schedule. And I think there'll be plenty battle-tested if, you know, if they do make the NCAA tournament. I say if, but it's an expectation that they do make the NCAA tournament. Um, But diving into a, a few more little things, Sean, you know, we got the chance to catch up with some of the players this week. We got a chance to hear from the freshmen for the first time. Very impressed, I think, with all five guys, the way they, you know, they at least communicate with us. And from everything I've read, Sean, and I know you spent plenty of time scouting a lot of these guys in person as well. Uh, I put this on our board last night and again this morning. Uh, a part of the scrimmage from this past Saturday when the Iowa had referees and everything, Fran McCaffrey put all five freshmen against the starters and they put a scare in the starters. Both Murray's played well. Tony Perkins, I think is going to be able to find a way to see the floor this year. Aaron Eulis, 
Um, obviously, he's playing well. Josh Ogundale has still got some way, a ways to go, but again, he was on campus late. But uh, I, I want your take on this, Sean, because I have a, I'm, I'm interested in getting as many perspectives, perspectives on this as possible. Do you see it as a good or bad thing or not really much of a thing that the freshman did end up ch- – there was no final score that I've been told or anything like that, but I was told that, you know, the freshman really did put a scare in the starters during the scrimmage on Saturday. What's kind of your take on that? I think it speaks volumes of the freshman class. I wouldn't look at it as a dis- – or I wouldn't look at it as a negative for this class, for the upperclassmen and the starters, but I've been saying it's in signing day. Like, despite their ranking, I think this group right here – by the time they're juniors and seniors, I think Iowa is going to be a consistent top 25 team during those two years. Like, you can quote me on it. You can take it to the bank, keep it there, save it, bring it out two or three years later. Like, Iowa, like, these guys are going to be – they're going to be a good – it's going to be a really good group I if they all stay there. I mean, that's the expectation. I don't want to make any speculation. I'm just saying, if this group stays together, plus you – Put Peyton Sanford in to that. You have a six guys right there that I think are going to be what Fran McCaffrey like. It's going to, it's going to. What's what I'm looking for? This is what exactly Fran McCaffrey needs to do on the recruiting trail. He needs to recruit these four to five year players. They're not going to be studs in high school. They're going to be guys that you build in your program that fit into a system and work their way up with each other and grow with each other. And that's what's going to equal success. If you, you have Payton Sanford in 2021, you have potential to have a really good class in 2022 with a couple four-star guys and then a high three-star center in Riley Mulvey. You put all these guys together, plus with some of the younger guys um, like Joe Toussaint and Patrick McCaffrey, um, you're going to have potential to have a really good team here in a couple of years. I'm not saying it's going to be as much hype as like this year with like potential top five and like national championship aspirations. But I think you're looking at a top 25 team, top 20 team that competes in the big 10 and could get like a four to five seed in the NCAA tournament or something like that. I think this group's going to be really, really, really good. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. I wouldn't look past it. I think, if anything, it is maybe the best possible scenario for Fran McCaffrey to get out of the scrimmage, Sean. You think about the freshmen now have that foundation of confidence that they can really compete in the Big Ten, uh, again, with the top five team. I think it not that Iowa stars overlook the freshmen or anything like that, but it just reminds them how they have to be focused every single game and focus on the little details because even one off night – or off-focus night, it could cost them. So I think that – I don't want to say regrounded the group because I think that their confidence and focus is incredibly high based on our conversations with them. But I think it also proved to the you know people that the freshmen are going to belong. And I think you and I have both kind of said this. I know you've written extensively about the Murray twins. Uh, Sean, you has some really good stories, I think, over the summer and in the spring. I think, I think Frank McCaffrey and them are going to look very smart for getting both Murray twins. I really do. I think they're six foot eight guys. They're versatile. And most importantly, their games are different. Like you're not getting two of the same player. You have one guy that's more of a driver interior presence. And you have another guy who's a, a great pull-up shooter and you know, likes to bring it defensively. And they're both, you know, can guard multiple positions. And I think that again, while they might not contribute this year, maybe next year they don't as much. Maybe they get some run somewhere. 
Well, I mean, you're talking two years down the line, Sean. I think that they can be very capable. I'm not saying all conference players by any means, but very good Big Ten starting caliber guys. Which is going to, which is going to equal, like I said before, competing in the middle of the Big Ten, maybe the upper half, and being the top 25 team. I think personally. So I know we'll we'll have the opportunity. We'll record our podcast early next week due to Thanksgiving. Um, we don't want to do it on Thursday and with the Friday game and we'll try to, you know, throw something together before, uh, Iowa's season opener against North Carolina central. Uh, it is kind of crazy to me that we're only halfway through football season, Sean and basketball six days away, but, uh, it, it'll be a blast. I want to plug this one more time, 50% off an annual subscription to HawkeyeInsider.com, 24 seven sports, all the Iowa coverage content you crave the most in-depth coverage on the market. Sean does a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail and we both try to keep you up to date with everything uh that's going on but sean it should be a fun year for basketball i don't want to do our way too early predictions season predictions we'll uh we'll wait a little bit on that uh but like i said iowa penn state on saturday big 10 network should be a fun game there and then like i said iowa north carolina central uh stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for the latest and greatest Iowa coverage. Be sure to follow Sean on Sean and I on Twitter at sbach247 at David Eicholt E I C K H O L T. Uh, but until then, we'll talk to you in a few days and take care.